you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. You know, when the president comes into town, he comes in in this big motorcade of big black cars with flags on the bumpers. Well, and in history, when a king came into town, he came on a huh? big white horse with his armies all around him. Yeah, but Jesus is the king of kings, and he comes into town today, and he doesn't do it that way. No, he comes in on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Let's watch it today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Hey, hey, you found us. This is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And uh, we are here waiting for you to join us. Where have you been? Oh, we're hoping you're here already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been, uh, we've been reading our way through Matthew. And we've, if, you know, we finally come to the day, uh, what I call the big day, the big reveal. And up to this point in Jesus' ministry, he's been wandering around mostly in the north for like three years. And, uh, and, and kept telling people over and over again who, who, caught who he was, the Messiah, the Son of God, said, shh, don't tell anybody. But today, that's all reversed. Today, he's going to come in and make the biggest proclamation he possibly can. Big splash. This is the big day. This is the big arrival into Jerusalem after those years of ministry. Well, it's kind of interesting that while he does this very deliberately, enters on this day, yeah. uh, there's a lot of events that he really did not he didn't control, didn't manipulate. It just no, kind of yeah. erupted around him. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into I've that. I've got a couple, yeah. of, couple of observations regarding yeah. that. But this is, boy, this is the big public day. This is where everything just, it's just there. And of course, you know, if you've read the Bible before, <laughs> you know that at this point as we come into Jerusalem, it's it starts, it lights a fuse burning in a way that, you know, in a handful of days ends in his crucifixion. So, uh, uh, and, uh, and a week from this moment, a week from this moment, not only will he be crucified, but he'll be buried and he'll be risen again. So just a fascinating, but that's the problem. That's why he kept telling people, don't say anything because it'll, it'll start the, uh, the persecution against him way too soon. Well, now we're ready to go. The time well, is and right. He, with this entry, he literally serves notice serves on the notice. religious authorities. The king is here. Here we go. Your response is called for. So, and so yeah. if you're ready for it, here's the big day right here. The big reveal. Chapter 21 of Matthew. Follow with us. We're starting into verse 1. The okay. big entry. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Should we stop there? Sure. Yeah. 
So here we come to Jerusalem. Finally, we've been aiming towards Jerusalem for quite some time. And he, and he comes just short of Jerusalem. In fact, it says they came to Bethphage in uh, Mark's gospel. It also adds Bethany. And, and that's a nice tip because we know in the accounts that Bethany is just a little under two miles from town. So uh, two miles from town, if you go toward the east, puts you on the other side of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is actually a ridge on the eastern side of Jerusalem that faces uh, the temple area. So we're on the back side of that. We're on the east side of that. So we're we're out of town, but we're in some small villages that are on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. Well, and, and, uh, and we know from the other Gospels that Jesus spent some time in Bethany. Yeah. That was the home of yeah. Lazarus, whom he called out of the tomb, raised right. from the That's dead. That's where we get the two-mile clue, by the way. And Mary and Martha. Yeah. That's right. And that had happened not too far in the in the in the past right, from this right, right. Uh, because it was that that really set the the clock ticking yeah, on the yeah. on the conspiracy yeah, to do put, away with him. They put a price on Lazarus's that's head. That's right. And they said, that's we got to right. kill him too because he's a, he's a walking testimony. Yeah, so if you've never really noticed that, <laughs> go and look in John 11 because yeah. sometimes we stop reading after the resurrection of Lazarus and we don't realize that that was yeah. when the... That was when the leaders said, oh, we got to do away with this guy, and we got to kill Lazarus, too. Yeah, put a price <laughs> on his head. Yeah, that poor Lazarus, yeah. So so they come to this village um, on you know on the east side of the Sea of, the sea of Galilee, of the Mount of Olives, <laughs> hmm. and, and he tells his apostles really curiously, you'll find, you'll find some animals tied out in the street. Just take them. Just take them. And, uh, and if someone challenges you, say that the Lord needs them, and they'll let you take them. So uh, somehow Jesus had prearranged this, or the Lord had clued them in, but they're not really stealing this. They're actually borrowing. And one of the other Gospels, is he, they actually say, we'll bring it immediately right. back So there's afterwards. two really interesting things here, don't you think? One yeah. is that Matthew, the other, Mark and Luke both mention this also, but they only mm-hmm. refer to the cult. Right. Whereas right. Matthew includes the fact that its mother was with it. Yes, uh, yes. Both he says that uh, two or three times, so mm-hmm, it's important mm-hmm. in Matthew's view for some reason. And then in verse three, there's Jesus saying, "Tell him the Lord needs them." Right. Right. That's a pretty bold statement on his part. If you were to go to somebody and say, "The Lord needs this." Uh, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> They would give it to you, yeah, <laughs> or they would say you were yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just don't mean it sounds like sounds like an oxymoron. In a way, you say you know the Lord who's who's most Who powerful yeah. and has owned, owns a cattle on a thousand hills right. says, "I need your donkeys." <laughs> well, as it turns, it turns out, out, I mean, Matthew tells us that yeah. this took place to fulfill that uh, Zechariah's prophecy, and right. you can find that. You know, cross-referencing is really important. It should be in the center column so of your Bible. it should be in your cross-references right. to Zechariah 9.9, which is then quoted here. Yeah. Uh, Look, your king is coming, humble, mounted on a donkey, right, on a servant's of a, servant of a beast, yes, not yes. on a victorious Horse. Yeah, because horses were how you came into burden. town. Yeah, if you were like a big toot, if you were a general or a king, you'd be on a horse. Right. And uh, this is the king of kings, and he does not come in on a horse. He comes in on a lowly pack animal, in a sense. In fact, what the other gospels uh, tell us in this one doesn't, which may which may give you an idea why. You know, the colt's mother is with him is the fact that this colt has never been ridden right. on. And it says it in the other Gospels. And so so maybe, the I don't know, kind of a comforting presence of uh, the mother with him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, but there you go. It's the two of them. So, I, you know, I don't want to linger here very long because it's not in the text. But 
Uh, I was contemplating this, this little donkey never been ridden with its mother alongside it. And we find out much later in the in the gospel accounts that Jesus's mother Mary was with him on this journey and mm-hmm. was was seems to have been with him through that week in Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. And I I just kind of set me thinking about uh, Zechariah's prophecy emphasizes on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden, right? The foal mm-hmm, of a of mm-hmm. a servant animal, right, right? And that's exactly how Mary described herself when the Lord said, "You know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the child will be who will be born to you mm-hmm. will be conceived by the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. And she says. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. And so, well, that's not in the text, and I've never read anybody commenting on it. It just seemed a very personal touch Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. to to have a a, an unridden colt with its mother calming it. Yeah. And Jesus, as a firstborn son, had his mother with him throughout these events of this week. It's just an interesting parallel to me. Yeah, it is. Well, let's push on. Okay. Where do we stop? Well, we're ready to read in verse 6. There we go. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, I'll do it then. Okay. So, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others put uh, cut branches from the trees, spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth. Of Galilee, which is an interesting identification, considering that, that they've been yeah. ex- they've been calling him the son of David coming of up David. the hill. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh oh, now we're in, in the presence of the religious authorities. Maybe we better not use that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is such a big public entry into yeah, Jerusalem. Yeah, and if you don't know the geography of Jerusalem, like I can mention the the Mount of Olives, which we hear a lot about, is really a ridge. It's a it's a ridge that runs north south, just east of. Uh, Jerusalem. In between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem is the Kidron Valley, which is which you read about in other parts of the narrative. But because of this, they are they are likely coming down the face, the western face of this ridge, which from that face you look to the west and you see all Jerusalem, and all Jerusalem can see you. So it's a wonderful place to make a huge entrance that can be in full view of all of all of uh, Jerusalem. They can look out and see you coming from a mile away. And since we know, we talked about this last time that. Uh, Jesus has a lot of people with him, not just because they followed him from Galilee because they're following Jesus. That's part of it, but also because it's Passover. So people have to come into Jerusalem. It's one of the three festivals you come into Jerusalem for. It's mandatory. So they're also traveling for that very purpose. So there's a huge crowd of people that are coming down this flank western side of the of the, of the Mount of Olives and making such a big stink and a big deal and palm fronds going and lots of singing and lots of proclaiming and uh, it's just a it's like a parade coming down well, that side it's probably helpful to remember too that th- 
this was a continuous stream of people coming to Jerusalem. Yeah. This wasn't just a big bubble of people around Jesus. Right, right, right. But where Jesus is moving in the crowd, there's this additional flurry of excitement yeah, uh, yeah. around the, the people who've identified him. Well, yeah, and you'd see all the, the palm branches mm-hmm. waving around. I, it would be a lot of, there'd be a lot of stuff going on. And by the way, the palm branch thing is not new here. I mean, no. I found a couple places in the rest of the Bible where it shows up where they use them to 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 worship a king basically it shows up in revelation mm-hmm. too, and a celebration me. yeah yeah and a celebration of the king so so that's really not that unusual but it really is a standard kind of welcome for either a conquering hero or a king who's been gone or whatever and it and it's interesting that then what they shout out to him which comes from some uh, psalm 118 uh is about being saved yeah, that's the, actually the meaning of the word Hosanna. That's oh, Hosanna. save. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if this wasn't a psalm that they were accustomed to singing when they were going up for a celebration of Passover. Oh, that could because be. Passover is a celebration of God's yeah. salvation, bringing the nation out of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's real possible that this is a psalm that they, uh, they would have sung anyway. Yes. But in yes. the presence of Jesus... And, and the crowd singing and the fervor going on, it just suddenly takes on a whole new depth, well, a whole it's, new meaning. And it's very specific because they call him the son of David. Right. That's the Messiah King that's promised from the Old Testament. And blessed he who's, who comes in the name of the Lord. I mean, this is like, this is the beginning of the kingdom. This mm-hmm. is the king coming in. This is the promised king that for thousands of years was was supposed to come and bring great justice and order and everything will be great and it'll be a whole new era of life. And that's not a lie. That's in the Old Testament. That's what the Messiah will do when he comes in. So this is what they're proclaiming as he comes in, well, very specifically. Okay. So if you go and look at that psalm, and if they were indeed singing the whole psalm, there's some very interesting You're stuff. 118? 118. Yeah. There's some very interesting things right before verse the, the mm-hmm. Hosanna mm-hmm. verse. If you look at verse 22 of Psalm 118, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. That sounds familiar. This is the Lord's doing, and it's yeah. marvelous in our eyes. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yes. And then if you back up a couple of verses before that verse 19 of psalm 118 open to me the gates of righteousness i shall enter through them i shall give thanks to the lord this is the gate of the lord the righteous will enter through it yeah so you know jesus had already said earlier in his teaching i i am the gate i am the door of the sheep Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. am the way and later on on that last night of the passover he will say it very specifically i am the way the truth and the life but you know if they're singing the whole psalm they are literally singing uh, here comes the one who is the way, but yes, the chief right. builders are going to yeah. reject him, and rejected. the Lord is going to save anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating song. It's a wonderful I mean, song. It's very prophetic. It's very prophetic, and and totally suitable for this. Well, and it even has inklings of the crucifixion yeah. in it. So yeah. I would encourage you, listeners, go and sit with Psalm one eighteen. Read the whole thing. It's about oh twenty nine thirty verses. Yeah, and yeah. see if the Lord doesn't draw your attention. Yeah, it's a very important uh, verse that's in your center reference. If you look at either center reference or side reference on Mm -hmm. your Bible, you'll you'll see Psalm 118 pegged several times right here. So they're speaking this out. 
Well, the whole city is stirred. I mean, and that it, it's just a big deal. So much so that they ask, who is this guy? And, uh, and they say, well, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee, which kind of pins him down more specifically. The man you've heard about from right. Nazareth who was causing all that stir up in Galilee, you've probably heard about. This is the guy. And it might be for some people in town the first time that they've connected that guy that they heard about with these accolades of him being the son of David. It's interesting because he had been in Jerusalem before. That's right. But yeah. never in this kind of a, a crowd hailing environment. Not so public. Yeah, exactly. And before we go into the next section, it's interesting to point out that Luke Luke includes a, a really touching uh, scene in Luke 19, whereas Jesus is, it sees the city before he comes down, he weeps over it because mm-hmm. he knows what's going to happen. He knows that even though they're in the midst of this huge celebration and shouting and singing and excitement as they're coming down that flank of, uh, of, of the mount, he knows that it's not going to end well at the end mm-hmm. of the week. He knows that, uh, you know, in fact, he laments about the fact. It's a real lament. He says, but whoa, would that you even you had known on this day the things that make for peace what it makes for peace but you didn't know the time of your visitation Mm -hmm. and so uh take a look at that it's really a really touching scene in luke's gospel luke 19 and uh jesus isn't fooled he knows where this is going he knows the the, the persecution is gonna escalate until it's the crucifixion and uh, i mean he knows where this is gonna go and he just weeps for the people because they they're missing it they're missing it. Well, let's push on. What do you say? Okay. Oh, I, I have some things I want to say about that, but we need oh, to go well, on. Oh, you can. Well, no, that's all right. No. Let's save it for another time. Okay. 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 So, and Jesus entered the temple. This 12. is verse 12, 12. And drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers oh boy okay, let's stop there oh and talk boy. about that for a minute oh boy yeah crazy stuff so it, it, matthew presents this like it happened immediately like he came right in and went in and did right. it but right. but isn't it mark's gospel that that says it really that happened actually the next morning yeah, when the he next came day. back in yeah. so this is where reading the parallel accounts can be helpful because yeah. matthew groups some of the events of this week a little differently than mark does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you kind of put those together you can tease out the timeline a little yeah. better yeah but what i like to point out too is that if you're if you are convinced that jesus is who you think he is and he is he's Mm, the messiah mm -hmm. and he's the king of kings who's coming in to establish the new kingdom you would expect him to go toward the temple you'd expect him to go right toward the temple and kick out the bad guys you know we know that the uh, the religious leaders were corrupt at the time you would expect him to really take control and he does head to the temple but instead of turning the world upside down for religious leaders, he turns it upside down for the guys who are doing money changing and selling for sacrificial animals in the front. Well, that is essentially turning it upside down well, for the religious leaders because that was their side business. Yeah, yeah. But it's not really changing the entire structure that's to bring order and law. But, but you can imagine how shocking this must have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. this is, uh, it becomes clear if you read the accounts in all the Gospels that this is the second time he did this. Right. He did it right. once before, very early in his ministry that John records. Yeah, in John's second chapter. Right. So it's very, very early. Right. Yeah. So this is the second time. There at the beginning of his ministry, here at the end of his ministry. So nothing changed over those three years, you notice. They're still yeah. they're still doing what they're doing. But I, I, I really like what Jesus says. He says, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Or in Mark, 
a house of prayer for all the nations. And and that's the primary that's the primary role in terms of people's relationship to the temple. Right. A place to come and, and seek God's face and appeal to him for their needs. And instead of making it a place of where God can meet our needs, it's a place where people are making money. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says that's just totally backwards. That's wrong. And if you put those two Old Testament references together, uh, let me read for you Isaiah 56, 7, because that's the house of prayer quotation. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Lord says, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer, and he's talking about the Gentiles. The Gentiles, Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all all the peoples and that's quite a Uh, quite a statement and that's the prophet isaiah speaking way back in the time of the first temple solomon's temple yeah saying this house is intended to be for all peoples to come to pray and their sacrifices will be acceptable so we know by the time of jesus that there was this highly regulated only the the most healthy and good and and able people were acceptable to mm-hmm. the to mm-hmm. the religious leaders. Yeah, yeah. And and then if you look in Jeremiah seven, which is the second part of that quotation that Jesus says, you're making it a den of robbers. Right. Uh, I would encourage you, listeners, to look not only at Jeremiah seven eleven, which is the part Jesus quotes here, but look at really the first ten or eleven verses of Jeremiah seven, because he talks about how corrupt the spiritual leadership was mm-hmm. under the time mm-hmm. of Jeremiah. Yeah. And he says in verse 9 of Jeremiah 11, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name? Oh, boy. <laughs> so, you know, we yeah, know yeah. that by this time the religious leaders were already hatching a plot to do away with Jesus. Oh, yeah, they do. already had said, we have to murder him. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the <laughs> Jeremiah's words are literally being fulfilled. They are. <laughs> and I bet you you got those two references out of the center reference on your Bible. I did. So, Joe, so don't ignore those. Those, those are great pl- places to kind of chase down. But it is, an, it is an astonishing thing, even though he's quoting out of Isaiah, to look at that temple and call it a house of prayer for all the nations. All the nations. Not just Israel. Right. Not just Israel. And not just the best of Israel, not just the leaders or the religiously pure. Right. Well, let's push on a little bit here. Where are we, 14? Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. Okay, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Hmm. So this in in Matthew's gospel here, it's the first entanglement in this week between the Pharisees and Jesus, and he and the Pharisees want him to shut down the children who are who are saying the true things. <laughs> don't you hear what they're saying? Like, don't you hear what they're saying? That's an error. You need to correct them. And again, Jesus quotes from the Psalms. Yes, he does a, a messianic psalm. Yeah. So again, you'll have this the reference for that in your Bible in your column. Look so in that column look reference. In that column and read yeah. not just the verse but the whole psalm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, we, we to this day, we use that as a figure of speech, you know, out of the mouth of babes, right. which basically right. says truth comes from even the most innocent sources. And here, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Out of this innocent source, out of the mouth right. of babe, they're actually saying the truth, guys. They're saying yeah. the truth. Because I am not going to shut them down. The guileless children often see things more clearly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but and, so I had an interesting thought here about the proximity of Jesus saying, "My house of prayer," and you make it a den of robbers. And mm. then the blind and the lame came mm-hmm. to him there. It's almost it just read to me like, oh, he got the the religious authorities out of the way, mm-hmm. and suddenly the blind and the lame were free. Yeah. Come. Yeah. Yeah. And there actually might be some precedent for that. And I had to look a little deeper for this, but back in Leviticus, the Lord had said to Aaron, Now, among your sons who serve me, don't there should be no blind or lame or any who are disfigured, right? Because they are representing mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whole perfect uh priesthood uh, the priest of god but uh by the time of david david had so disliked the blind and the lame that mm-hmm. he had said that they're not allowed to come in yeah and yeah. so you can track those down in leviticus 21 and second samuel 5 and look at that so i'm wondering if by the time of jesus there was just this aura of unwelcome hmm. in the in the temple they were like proper for out. anyone who wasn't yeah. Perfect. The that blind and the lame are not welcome here. Could be. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't have a strong textual support for that, but uh, but it's an interesting idea mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, and because he's he's been identified as the son of David, and yet we're told back there in Second Samuel that David disliked and did not want to be in the so presence of the blind. You're and saying the lame. like Jesus, Jesus' very obvious authority caused right. an opening for them to come and, and seek to be healed. And suddenly they yeah. were Could free be. because the people who would have chased them out yeah. were yeah. not there. Could be. I just wonder about that. Yeah, you never know. Well, we end this particular day with him going back to Bethany mm-hmm. on the other side of the mountain, just about a two mile walk. And um, next time we'll come back, we, we continue this whole Passion Week and the interactions that go on in and around the temple as Jesus not only spars with the Pharisees, but does some healing and does some really great teaching, great teaching during this week. So you're not going to want to miss that as we come back. Next week, we're going to pick it up around verse 18. And Jesus does a very curious thing. He curses a fig tree. What in the world is that about? <laughs> Why would you want to do that? And what does it mean? What is, yeah, what's the significance of uh, yeah. it? Yeah, well, it's actually profoundly significant. And we'll see that when we come back. So, so I hope you're reading with us. Like I said, again, you can pick up with us. You can read ahead for us in verse 18 and, uh, and take a look at more that transpires in that general temple area as Jesus goes very public and engages people in a very public way. And the persecution and the, uh, and the charges against him start to build. And the Pharisees start to make their case for how they can grab this guy. And that's going to come next time. So anyway, I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad you're with us. And we're glad that you're looking at this Passion Week with us. And, uh, and we'll see more next time on More Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. I'm saying a fault. A fault. (laughs) 
This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.